I took in Monday's training camp practice at St. John Fisher, and I'm sharing my top takeaways today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? H. Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, I was very excited to get my own eyes on a Buffalo Bills training camp practice, and that's exactly what happened on Monday. was able to travel in on Sunday, catch the practice on Monday. I'll be in town all week, and we are off to a great start. For those of you who are watching us on YouTube, you're going to notice that I'm not in my typical setup. That's because I'm not home. I am in Western New York, uh, courtesy of my aunt, Karen. Thank you so much for letting us stay at your house. And uh, we're doing this podcast right here in her kitchen. And so the background's a little bit different, but I'm on location. And I'm really happy to be on location because it was awesome to take in this practice. The pads came on. I got a chance to see the first full padded practice of camp and it was a blast to take in I have a lot to say in terms of my observations on offense my observations on defense we got a lot to unpack here on today's episode and with there being a lot to unpack and a lot that I want to say to you one of the questions I always ask myself in those moments is well what's the most important thing what what stood out to you the most of all the things that stood out And I got to be honest with you, I do want to begin our conversation today on offense. I want to start with the passing game. And there's three guys. You know them well. Their names are Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and Gabriel Davis. Those guys were terrific. And I want to start with Gabe Davis. Because I saw some things from Gabe Davis today that really, really encouraged me. I think I've been as critical as anybody as it relates to Gabe Davis, his role as wide receiver two, the amount of volume that's on his plate. But based on Monday's practice, he was outstanding. An absolutely incredible day for him. Thought you saw a very complete ability to win. He did the stuff you normally see him doing, winning down the field, being physical down the field, showing good ball skills down the field. All of that was really good. Had a tight coverage win in one-on-one drills against Tredavious White. Really good throw. Hummed in there by Josh Allen and gave one up and made a good play on tight coverage from Trey White. And those are things you kind of expect, but what I really enjoyed was how effective Gabe Davis was running some of the shorter routes. And that's been a big criticism of mine towards Gabe Davis. I said it as early as last week, and I've got a lot of data that doesn't suggest he's a very good producer on short throws. But based on what I saw on Monday, he was outstanding. I liked the route running. I liked how he set up his breaks. 
I liked how he was able to be deceptive through his route breaks and he got open and he was able to win in the short areas of the field just as much as he was able to win down the field. And I'm looking at my notes here. I have smooth on short routes, major factor in team drills. I didn't see an individual rep that he didn't win. It was a great day for Gabe Davis. My exposure to Gabe Davis on Monday was really, really strong. Now, if that was the only time I've ever seen Gabe Davis, it would be one thing, but I've, I've seen a lot of Gabe Davis. But one thing's clear. He's healthy, he's confident, and he appears very primed to attack this season and showcase a little bit more maybe than he has in years past. So I'm very encouraged coming out of this practice with what I saw from Gabriel Davis. I'm also very encouraged with what I saw from Stefan Diggs. And it goes without saying, I mean, Stefan Diggs is not only one of the best players on the Bills, but one of the best players in the entire NFL. But there's just something different about 14 out there. And I think you've seen this, right? You've seen other people that have been at practices talking about the confidence and the energy and how he's attacking practice. Saw it with my own eyes on Monday. And folks, it's really real. This dude is working with a different level of intensity. He's absolutely dominant. Nobody can deal with him. Making play after play. You saw him catch like a 60-yard bomb from Josh Allen. Team drill over Dane Jackson down the field. He scored a touchdown. The first red zone drill today was a touchdown over the middle of Stephon Diggs. And he's celebrating that touchdown like he just won the Super Bowl, like he just caught the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. He's going crazy. I mean, this guy is bringing a level of intensity that is really, really standing out when you watch him. So 13 and 14 look real good. So does 17. Quarterback Josh Allen, he had a very precise day. That's the word I have written down. If you saw my notes right here, you would see Josh Allen and the word precise. On target all day long, confident, throwing the football to all different weapons at all levels of the field, producing, bringing great energy to the football field. Josh Allen looked like a superstar franchise quarterback. I thought maybe he had one play that I didn't like. It was a rollout to his left, and he wound up scrambling and picking up a lot of yards, but I think he missed an opportunity to hit James Cook on a corner route in the back corner of the end zone. Other than that, I thought Josh Allen was outstanding, and You know, one of the big things that happened at practice as it relates to Josh Allen was one of the final plays. The Bills were practicing the Philly special, and that's a play where Josh Allen eventually kind of runs out for a pass, and he pitches it, and then it's handed to somebody on a reverse, and then that player throws it to the quarterback. You saw this in the Super Bowl that the Eagles won over the Patriots, and then it's been used in a lot of different football games since then. But the Bills were practicing this play, And so the throw was really, really late. I don't remember who threw the football. But what I do remember is that Josh Allen elevated for the football and Taron Johnson cleaned him up. You know, Taron Johnson should have done that, right? You don't don't hit the guy with the red jersey, especially the guy with the one and the seven on it. And he did. And Josh Allen was a little slow to get up. It appears he's okay. He's told people that he's okay. But you don't want to see Josh Allen taking hits in practice, especially – trying to catch a pass, right? So that was a little bit of a scare. But all in all, a great day from Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs. This passing game looked really, really sharp. An overall great day for the offense. And I think you can extend that to Dalton Kincaid, 
Dawson Knox, James Cook. I thought those three guys in particular really stood out as playmakers. When you think about watching a practice and wanting the talent to kind of speak to you a little bit and allow those players that are your big-time premier guys to declare themselves, I think if you never watched the Buffalo Bills ever previously before today and you walked into this practice and you thought to yourself, all right, who who are the, the best playmakers? Who are the guys that have the best chance to be impact playmakers? I think you would say Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, James Cook, Dawson Knox, and Dalton Kincaid, which is exactly the takeaway you would hope somebody would have coming away from a practice through that context that I just put together. Really, really encouraged by those guys. For Dalton Kincaid, I know that everyone's really interested in him as the first-round pick, and I watched a good amount, right? There's there's 90 guys on the field, though, folks, so I, I, I didn't see everything that everyone did. I tried to pay attention to what I thought was the most competitive and most meaningful things that were happening on the field at any given time. And so that took me to Dalton Kincaid sometimes, but I didn't see everything that he did. But what I did see from Dalton Kincaid was a smooth and natural football player. Just everything he does is smooth and natural. It's easy for him. Running routes, catching footballs, very, very easy for him. And I think that's a great thing to say about a rookie that's, what, five practices into his NFL career? It's not a matter of if Dalton Kincaid's going to make an impact this year. It's how much. And I think he has a chance to be really special for this offense. Um, one other thing that I thought was interesting, I got more to say about the offense here coming up after a break, but one last note on Dalton Kincaid. Uh, I thought it was interesting that there was a play where it was a team drill and the personnel groupings were the O-line, Josh Allen, and then you had Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, Khalil Shakir, and Dalton Kincaid. So no knocks and Shakir as that first receiver in a three-wide receiver set plus Knox. It was a very, very creative personnel grouping that I wasn't expecting to see, but it was cool to see. All right, I'm going to talk a lot more about these personnel groupings here in just a moment, but I need to tell you about FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's simply no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, folks, let's keep talking about the offense for a little bit longer before we get into the defense. And I want to move away from the Josh Allen and all his top weapons conversation and get a little bit more into the depth and into the offensive line. Again, this is going to be a lot of different notes, right? I, I observed a lot, and I want to share a lot with you. So it's it might feel a little bit random, but I want to get all this information to you. Next thing on my notes, Reggie Gilliam. And I, you've seen this out there, but now I've seen it for myself, and you've seen a trend now through, what, five days of practice. Reggie Gilliam is playing tight end. Every individual practice rep that he takes is with tight ends, not with running backs. And to me, that just opens up a really interesting layer. 
Because how many tight ends are the Bills going to keep? Is this a Reggie Gillingham or Quentin Morris conversation? Do they both make the roster and they only wind up keeping three running backs? I think that this development is something to keep an eye on and its impact on who makes this roster could be could be very, very interesting. But Reggie Gilliam legitimately playing tight end. All of his reps are with tight ends. Now, I, I'm sure that in your back pocket, you love that ability to say, hey, you're going to play fullback for these reps or whatever, but he's just truly a hybrid player, fullback, tight end, special teams. And, and every every roster needs a guy like this. But his classification and what that means for the 53-man roster projection is very interesting to me. Wide receiver groupings. Let's talk a little bit more about that. The first rep of team drills. 11 personnel. Diggs, Davis, Khalil Shakir, the third receiver on the field. Now, I don't know that that means that he's got the upper hand to be the first wide receiver on the field in 11 personnel. I'm sure it's going to be dictated by a lot of different factors, but Khalil Shakir over Deontay Hardy, over Trent Shurfield. Got that first 11 personnel rep along with Davis and Diggs. Again, it could just be because of the play that they're running or whatever, but thought that was worth noting. You also saw some very interesting first-team packages with wide receivers. There was a, a rep where the three wide receivers on the field were Trent Shurfield, Deontay Hardy, and Khalil Shakir. So no Davis, no Diggs, and those three guys are on the field. And I just feel like that's... It's reminiscent of a lot of the things that I remember being at camp last year and saying, look, these formations, these personnel groupings, they're very diverse. They're using a lot of different combinations. Feel the same way again. And I think we saw that to start the year last year, and then the Bills kind of moved away from it. And I'm sure a lot of that was injury dictated, right? You you lost Kumaro, you lost Crowder, you never really had O.J. Howard. I'm sure all of that impacted things. But at least at this point, this year, I'm seeing this offense using a lot of different variety when it comes to personnel and formations. One other note here on Trent Shurfield stood out to me that on a lot of the run stuff that they did, he was used as that insert blocker. So if you remember last year watching uh, Gabe Davis and kind of being asked to get in there with the, with the O-line and have to be, you know, offset just to touch and block, right? Blocking linemen, blocking linebackers. You're seeing Trent Shurfield being asked to do that in practice. And we we thought that would happen. He's known as one of the better blocking receivers in the NFL. But to see it was interesting. Uh, Andy Isabella signed with the team. Speedster, former second-round pick by the Arizona Cardinals. I, I had a, an eye on him for this practice, two things that I noticed. First of all, he's getting opportunities to return kicks. Second of all, he had a couple of one-on-one reps against Saran Neal, and they were vertical routes. That's not a fair fight for Saran Neal. Saran Neal is not the type of guy that's going to be able to match steps with a low 4-3 athlete like Andy Isabella. And especially in the context of an individual drill where there's no, you know, there's not 20 other guys in the field. It's just you versus this guy and all the space in the world. Like that's always advantage for the wide receiver. Well, that plus the athletic mismatch or the speed mismatch, at least really puts Saran Neal in a couple of compromising situations. And Andy Isabella was able to cook them on a couple of individual reps. I also have written down that Jay Sternberger flashed a little bit. I, I saw at least two catches 
that he made that were tough grabs. One where he scooped out a low throw um, on an outbreaking pattern, and then one where it was a diving catch away from coverage. And he made two really tough catches uh, that that I saw throughout the, the course of the practice. And that tight end competition could be real interesting. We know we have Knox and we have Kincaid. Then there's Quentin Morris. There's this Reggie Gilliam dynamic. And then, well, well do you have something here in Sternberger? Good problem to have. A lot, uh, lot to pay attention to with that group moving forward. All right, let's talk a little bit about the offensive line. I know everyone's interested at, uh, at the guard position where there's a legitimate battle between Ryan Bates and Osiris Torrance. And I'll tell you what, you saw a very steady mix of both guys playing with the first team. You know, I think there were certain sessions of practice where the first right guard was Ryan Bates. There were certain sessions of practice where the first right guard was Osiris Torrance. And I'm not sure that looking at one practice and, you know, I'm not watching re- replays. This is all live action, you know, taking in what I can. I don't think I can sit here and tell you for sure that either player was better. But what's interesting is that they both fared reasonably well and they both got what what seemed to be close to equal opportunity. If anything, maybe skewing towards Torrance a little bit, which feels like that's been a trend f- throughout the last few days of camp. And so... Both had had their moments. I thought Torrance did have a couple of moments in one-on-ones where speed got to him in pass protection. But this is very much what feels like a, a wide-open battle between Ryan Bates and Osiris Torrance. Uh, a note here at tackle, your starters were Deion Dawkins and Spencer Brown. But when the second team came in, David Questenbury was exclusively the backup left tackle to Deion Dawkins. And Brandon Shell was exclusively the backup right tackle to Spencer Brown. Never did either player switch spots. So when it was second team O-line, it was like that. And so it's all fascinating to me to see how this all full, uh, you know, plays out. If Osiris Torrance is your starting right guard, does that make Ryan Bates the first guy off the bench at all five spots? And if so, does that lean into having Questenbury kind of play exclusively on the left side and Shell playing exclusively on the right side, that could be, if you if you want to piece it all together, I think you can talk yourself into that being true. But is there a world where they all make the team? I think that's another fascinating layer to the depth of this offensive line. One other minor note, and I, I don't want you to read too much into this, but I, I, I again, I want to be honest with you with everything that I tell you. Hey, I, I observed this. It was a trend on the practice field and I feel a responsibility to make you aware of it. I thought Deion Dawkins had a couple of reps where he got beat uh, in team drills. Once was actually uh, by A.J. Epinesa, and you probably heard, I, I think I already mentioned on this podcast, but there was a 60-yard throw from Diggs, uh, excuse me, from Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs, where Stefan Diggs kind of got behind Dane Jackson. Epinesa beat Dawkins. And, you know, it's it's practice, so you, you you beat the guy and then you stop, right? You don't go sack the quarterback. Epinesa beat him. And on one hand, you can say, well, Josh Allen probably steps up in the pocket and shrugs off A.J. Epinesa like he does most defensive ends, but you just don't know. That's a little footnote that I think is worth, worth mentioning. And then Basham got him another time. And both of those wins, curiously enough, I, I wouldn't suspect this to be true, the, the time that Dawkins got beat by Epinesa and the time that he got beat by Basham in team drills 
it was both around his outside hip, and you just wouldn't expect that to be the case. So just file it away. I don't think it's time to panic on Deion Dawkins, but he definitely got dusted a couple times during the Monday practice. All right, folks, I want to talk about the defense. Plenty to say there with the competition at linebacker and corner and what the scheme looks like with McDermott calling it. All of that's coming up for you after a very, very quick break. All right, folks, let's close out this last segment by focusing exclusively on the defensive side of the football. And we'll, of course, start with middle linebacker and cornerback where there's a wide-open battle for starting positions. And in terms of middle linebacker, this was Terrell Bernard's day. He got all the first-team reps. And he had at least one really good run fill that I enjoyed seeing. Um, But for the most part, I didn't think he did anything wrong. He didn't stand out in a big way to me. But he did get every single first-team rep. At cornerback... Trey White. And by the way, Trey White was really good in this practice. Really good. Had some very competitive reps against Gabe Davis and Trey White, or excuse me, and uh, Stefan Diggs in one-on-one drills. He, you, you, could, you could sense there's a confidence growing about him. He looks good. But opposite of him, we know that this is a wide-open situation. I would say that Dane Jackson got most of the reps but then Kyer Elam rotated in. And I don't think that Christian Benford on Monday got a single first-team rep. So I don't know if it's down to Jackson or Elam. You know, we'll obviously pay attention to this on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday while I'm here. Before this practice, it was Jackson and then Elam, Elam rotated in. Now, as far as Kyer Elam and how he looked, I thought in the one-on-one drills – He was outstanding. He was sticky in coverage, confident, making plays on the ball. And his his highlight moment in the one-on-one drills was against Stephon Diggs. And he clamped Diggs. It was the only rep I don't think Diggs won on the day. He clamped him on a vertical route down the sideline, kind of pinned him to the sideline, out-leveraged him, won the rep. And Diggs very much thought he was helped. And so then, oh, by the way, I don't think he was. I think that that was a clear win by Kyer Eel. So then on Diggs' next rep, he was going to go up against Alex Austin. Kyer Elam pulls Alex Austin off of the drill, wants another shot against Diggs, and then this time Diggs won the rep, but it was, you know, Diggs sells a vertical route and snaps it back and works back down to the football for like a, maybe a three- or four-yard completion. So Elam gave up the completion, but obviously he was kind of protecting himself because he figured he was going to go deep again. But uh, you could, you just, I, I really enjoyed Kyer Elam showing that competitiveness about him, and then wanting to go up against Diggs again after there was a you know controversial win, at least if you ask Stefan Diggs in that previous one-on-one rep. That was fun to see. But I thought overall, uh, Kyer Elam, back to focusing exclusively on him, I thought he was a little bit. Inconsistent in the team drills, but in you know individual, I thought he was really, really, really solid. And I thought, in terms of the one-on-ones, I thought Elam, Benford, Jackson, and Trey White were terrific. They were tight in coverage. They made catches hard if they gave them up. It was good work. And I, I guess I can appreciate more, right, when I see that and I reflect on it in this moment with you, I can appreciate Sean McDermott's approach here 
to letting this competition play out between Elam, Benford, and Jackson. I think it might be closer than we want to admit it is. And and stuff that we don't even know about, how they are in the classroom, how they're applying different things from the classroom to the field, how they prepare, what their habits are, that's probably going to decide it. Going to be fun to watch. At safety, DeMar Hamlin participated in full contact drills. That was super cool to see. I feel very, you know, I feel honored to have, have been there to see that. The last time this guy was on a football field, we know what happened. And now he's full pads hitting people. That was fun to see. He was the uh, he ran with the second team defense with Taylor Rapp. So Poyer and Hyde, your starters. Then he ran with Taylor Rapp on the second team. Now, what's interesting about that is Taylor Rapp came out for a play. I think he might have gotten nicked up. And the guy that came in for Taylor Rapp was Cam Lewis. Not Dean Marlowe, Cam Lewis. And then actually Taylor Rapp was ready to go back in on the next play, and Cam Lewis came out. But Cam Lewis, who has been around for a while, who can play in the slot, who can play safety, who's proven on special teams, I, I've I've said it for a couple of weeks now. Do not overlook this man's realistic chance to make the 53-man roster. That versatility, that time on task, the Bills are going to value that. Speaking of safeties and defensive backs, some general thoughts on just what this scheme is going to look like. You saw safety blitzes. I saw Marlowe blitz. I saw Rap blitz. I saw Poyer blitz. I saw Trey White blitz. I saw Taron Johnson blitz. DB blitzes are going to be a thing, and that's shouldn't be a surprise. Let's remember, Sean McDermott came up under Jim Johnson, and that was very much what he was known for. So you're going to see, you're going to see Sean McDermott dialing up some stuff here and unleashing these defensive backs and allowing them to attack the line of scrimmage. But you saw safety blitzes, DB blitzes, like I mentioned. You did see some legit odd fronts. Like legit odd front defense. Leonard Floyd dropping into pass coverage. We saw simulated pressures. We saw overload blitzes. A lot of the stuff that we talked about, you know, considering what this defense was going to look like without Leslie Frazier, with Sean McDermott taking over the coordination of the entire thing and the play calling, a lot of those things that we thought would be true were true on the practice field on Monday. Real quick on the defensive line, Ed Oliver was an absolute problem all day long in the backfield, penetrating, disrupting in Josh Allen's face, in the running back's face. I mean, he was he was a, a havoc wreaker, if you will. Super disruptive. I thought Boogie Basham looked pretty solid. Had some inside rush moves that you saw both in one-on-one drills and in team. You saw him rush the B-gap, which is something I want to see. We got that. And what's also interesting about Boogie Basham, at least for this practice, is it felt like he was getting reps over Shaq Lawson. And that's a big storyline if you go back to last year when Von Miller got injured. The guy that started opposite of Greg Rousseau was Shaq Lawson. Based on the Monday practice, it would appear that Shaq Lawson is below Boogie Basham, but obviously there's a lot that we need to sort out. And it just could be... Different guys get different opportunities on different days. So you can't put that much into one practice. You're looking for trends. A couple of general notes here. Um, 
Reed Ferguson didn't see him today. I don't know if he's, I don't know what's up. I have no idea, but there was no long snap around the field. So they didn't do any like field goals or anything like that. We did not see Reed Ferguson today. I don't know what's going on there. The uh, Bills special teams did practice squib kicks. And I don't think I've ever seen that before. Just being honest with you, I don't think I've ever seen an NFL practice where they practice squib kicks. And so maybe that is some level of anticipation for the Bills from a strategy perspective with the new kickoff rule, doing squib squib kicks and forcing teams to try to return them because the Bills, as we know, are not willing to concede the 25-yard line. So if you squib it, you can still try to make a tackle inside the 25. And I think based on observing that being practiced and me never observing squib kicks being practiced before, maybe we have a little bit of a clue as to the Bills and their approach to what they're going to do about the new kickoff rule. All right, folks. I hope that you were able to consume all of that. That was a lot of information. And the good news is I still have three more live sessions here to take in Tuesday's practice, Thursday's practice, and of course, Friday at Highmark Stadium for the Blue Red scrimmage. I'll be in attendance for all of those things. I'm looking forward to it. A couple other things here. Uh, tomorrow at 8.30 a.m., I'm going to be live with WGR from St. John's Fisher. Uh, Thursday, I will be live with ESPN Rochester. I don't know what time yet on that, so stay tuned, but I'll be live on set with ESPN Rochester on Thursday. And then Thursday night, I'm going to be with Pat Moran, uh, host of the Talking Buffalo podcast. We're doing a live show from Imperial Pizza. Uh, we're planning on getting there around 6.30, 7 o'clock, hanging out for a little bit, doing the show. Would love for you to stop by and say hello. If you see me at practice or whatever, please say hello. It's been really cool. I had several people come up and take. we took pictures and everything today. Uh, so shout out to those of you who did that and really, really enjoyed that. So um, love being in town, love interacting with you guys. And so hopefully we get a chance to cross paths uh, while I'm up here. All right, folks, a busy week ahead. Come on back for, uh, for tomorrow where I'll be, be taking in that Tuesday practice on the field. And I'm going to have plenty to say about it. Don't miss it. Make sure that you're subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills.